You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Nader sits down with Bob Roth of the David Lynch Foundation to demonstrate a simple breathing exercise which helps to calm the mind, prepare the body for fighting potential disturbance or imbalance, and maintain the individual's good health. This session is for those that practice transcendental meditation already or those who have not yet learned. So Dr. Nader, if we could switch gears, if we could sort of drill down on the practicalities of it all. You talked about techniques of breathing and physiology and transcendence. Could we start at the beginning? Could we start at the basics? And perhaps you teach us something now and then we move on? Yes, this is very good. And for this, we will start today with a simple technique of breathing. Before we get into that, we want to just briefly understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Under situations of stress, be it in a pandemic situation or confinement, be it in war situation, or even in normal situation of life and living and business and rushing around to achieve and having the anxieties of whether our actions will lead to success or not, the individual physiology, one's own physiology, behaves in a different way than one is under situation of calm and peace and feeling everything is assured. And what we want to see is that there are actually different levels of the nervous system that get into action to help us respond to an environmental situation. For extreme simplicity's sake, we're going to divide this into three parts. One part, which is the most basic and that we find in normal animal species usually, is the reflex part, which is part of our spinal cord. And that, as you know, for example, the knee-jerk reflex. You know, you go to the doctor, the doctor wants to check that your reflexes are okay. They have a little thing, they hit it on the level of the knee, just below the knee, and the leg jumps. For this, you have absolutely no decision about it. It's something that is a circuit that is there in the spinal cord. And that is a reflex that helps us, for example, to maintain proper posture when we're standing, to be able to walk. And this really doesn't need the upper parts of the nervous system at all. There are actually scientific studies, very, very specific and accurate that show actually that walking does not at all depend on the higher parts of the nervous system. It's the initiation of walking that requires an input from the upper level. So this is our reality also. It's part of who we are, but it's very basic level. Then we go one level higher, and this is the level where we have what used to be called the old brain. Old brain because you find it in most animal species that are mammals and a little bit evolved. And in our nervous system as humans, it's called the limbic system. This part also has a kind of a reflex, but it is very intimately connected with the higher brain, which we call the cortical areas or 
in some old definitions, the new brain. Again, this is very simplified, but it's good to have an idea of what's happening. Now, nature has evolved us into such a way that when we are under pressure or situation of threat, as we would be in the forest, in the jungle, and the tiger is jumping on us, then this is not the time to use the upper brain. It's the time to activate these lower parts. And these lower parts get activated automatically and autonomically. Of course, they receive information from the upper brain, which says there is threat, there is danger. And then what happens, these parts of the brain start being activated and they lead to what generally also in a simplified way is called the fight or flight response, which is the response of the physiology to either go and fight the tiger or run away. And so what happens is that the whole nervous system activates these mechanisms and a little bit shuts down the upper part. So it's not the time to think of poetry and music and love and beautiful things in life. It's the time to either fight or run or be finished <laughs> if we don't do the right thing. So that's why uh, there are mechanisms that happen that activate the heart becomes breathing more, the blood pressure increases, the blood gets distributed from the internal organs and actually the brain into the parts of the body that are going to be active, which is the muscles and the physical parts. We have constriction of the eyes because we want to see sharply. And we have the breathing also that becomes very different. We hold the breath. Usually we are tense, we tense our muscles, we shrug our shoulders. It's like you're gonna fight. And that's what happens. Now, unfortunately, even though we're not in the jungle anymore, when we're facing a situation as a pandemic, an epidemic, a war, life that is stressing, uncertainty, going in the streets in New York and be afraid that the cab is gonna run you over and such things, all of this leads to us these reactions, even noise, loud noise all the time, which in the forest used to be an indication of some threat coming. But now, even though it's just the cars and the police and all this running around, somehow they feed into our system this feeling of fight or flight. What happens is the body takes a certain way of functioning. That's why there is high blood pressure, that we breathe with our muscles that are around the chest, around the rib cage. We are tense, our, you know, all, all the physiology is activated like that. Now, what this does is first give us a very high demand on the physiology, which normally should be used under threat and danger situation, but it becomes established in us almost continuously. You know, if you are a doctor, for example, in a hospital, and you're facing the dangers, the fears, uh, of disease, even of others, because we are social being and we are always under pressure and we take into ourselves, we, we take on ourselves even the suffering of others, the pains, the fear of people dying, etc., to whatever extent. Then we are feeling this situation of fight or flight in a very intense way. Again, this happens in many circumstances. Some of the extreme circumstances is that of people who are fighting, for example, in the military when they go to war, and that becomes extreme. That's why we have post-traumatic stress and all of that. But people are living post-traumatic stress even in the regular daily life. 
So what happens is the physiology takes a certain way of functioning, becomes active in a certain way. What this tells the brain, the upper brain, the nervous system, is that there is danger that is continuing. So the feedback to the brain is, oh, there is still danger. And that's why the brain, when it's too much danger all the time, goes into anxiety, depression, into fear situation, into feeling unease and unhappiness, into what we call post-traumatic stress. And therefore, this post-traumatic stress is actually lived under many, many conditions, even though it's not a situation just of war and fighting on the battlefield. And so for everyone, there is some degree of stress, some degree of post-traumatic stress that is really ingrained now and present in the physiology. And the physiology tells the brain, we are under stress, we are under fear. So the brain reinforces that and then it becomes a vicious cycle where the nervous system is telling the physiology to even fight a little more or run a little more. The physiology is telling the brain, yes, we are under conditions of tiredness or stress or fatigue or insecurity and danger. And this vicious circle has to be broken. Obviously, the best way to break it would be on the mind level. And that's why we have techniques of the mind. But sometimes uh, it's not as easy uh, on the level of convincing and counseling and talking about it, which can also be helpful and we which will cover. But what we want to do right away is break the cycle on the physical level. Because when you stop this cycle on the physical level, you reassure the nervous system that things are okay. And then the vicious cycle is broken and we are already on a better platform. So how do we do that? We're gonna do that very simply with a breathing exercise to start with. That breathing exercise we start with is going to reestablish the normal way of breathing. The normal way of breathing is through a muscle that is sitting in the area between the abdomen and the chest. So this muscle is attached to the rib cage. It's a big muscle, it's called the diaphragm. So the diaphragm is a dome-like muscle that is sitting at the level of the rib cage. And when it contracts, it flattens. And as it flattens, it pushes against the abdomen. But the main thing that it does, it expands the volume of the chest. When it expands the volume of the chest, there is emptiness that is creating inside the lung because the lungs are open and then the air moves in. That is the most normal, natural way to breathe. Under stress situation, we tend to breathe with the chest muscles, with the upper muscles of the rib cage. And that's why people, you know, who are stressed, they breathe like this and they raise their shoulders and they breathe with the muscles of the rib cage. This is not as effective and studies have shown that if you breathe from the diaphragm, you are reducing pressure in the chest where there are what we call baroreceptors, which are pressure receptors in the areas of the uh, chest area around the heart, etc. And that leads to hypertension and all the complications that we, we can have from anxiety and problems and fear. So what we're going to do is very simple, is reestablish diaphragmatic 
breathing from the diaphragm and for this it's very simple we're going to take the left hand and put it on the chest and the right hand and put it on the abdomen therefore we can do it now we will be taking uh, air in so inhalation through the nose and the hand that is on the abdomen will move forward and then exhalation through the mouth and the hand that is on the abdomen will move towards the back so it will flatten the abdomen we don't push with the hand the hand is very soft and we let just the breathing happen through the abdomen as if which is actually through the diaphragm flattening and pushing the abdomen so let's do it sit comfortably take a deep breath comfortable breath through the nose and then out through the mouth we pause just a second and then again inhalation through the nose the hand that's on the abdomen moves out we pause and then exhalation through the mouth the air goes out and the hand on the abdomen moves in so we'll do this for a minute or so a few times to feel comfortable so it's as if the abdomen is drawing the air but it's of course the diaphragm and therefore we just take the air in through the nose pause the air goes out through the mouth pause at your own pace air in through the nose hand on the abdomen moves forward moves out pause again through the mouth the air goes and the hand on the abdomen moves towards the back At your own pace good long nice breath but comfortable if you ever feel like you're wanting air or the air to move faster just do it main thing is to be comfortable and then pause in between the out and in in through the nose out through the mouth now we want to have our attention on the hand that is on the chest we want to see that it's not moving it's the anchor because if it's moving that means we are using our upper muscles of the chest area which we really don't need to activate at all so our shoulders are relaxed sitting comfortably our arms are hanging from the shoulders our hand on the chest is very soft and easy and it does not move as we continue to breathe in and out and our attention cycles between the hand on the chest and then the hand on the abdomen we can close the eyes to have a more soft feeling and deep feeling of what's happening 
you close the eyes and now you feel the hand on the abdomen so it's moving out when we take a breath it's moving towards the back when we exhale through the mouth now our attention goes to the hand that is on the chest while we are continuing the same breathing and now we just feel the anchor it's settled it's silent it's not moving the hand that's on the chest is not moving now we want to make sure we are not tense or tensing our face or hands or shoulders so we will be cycling our attention to the face first and feel that the face is settled, is easy, the jaw is dropped almost completely, but the mouth is closed when we take air in, relax and soft. So let the jaw drop, not to be tense with clenching the teeth or anything like that. And now we cycle to the shoulders. We feel our shoulders are relaxed, are settled. The arms are hanging from the shoulders. As we continue to breathe, the hands are soft. The hand on the abdomen is very soft, very easy, as if holding a newborn baby, like a nurse would hold the baby or a mother or father it's very delicate and the hands are very soft as we continue to breathe in and out the hand we feel on the abdomen then we feel the hand on the chest it's very soft and you do like this continue like this and you cycle from the face to the shoulders to the hands as you continue to breathe through the diaphragm so we remember the hand on the chest is silent maybe at the end of the breath just at the end it moves a little bit that's fine but it's generally quiet and it's the abdomen area that is moving it's the diaphragm that is doing the breathing in and the breathing out very good now we can slowly open the eyes and you can do this at home three four times a day to re-enliven the muscle it's a muscle like any muscle and if we are under stress and strain, it would have been a little more dormant. So we are awakening it and exercising it. So you do this three, four times a day for about five minutes each time. You can do it also before going to bed or if at the beginning you feel that it's not well coordinated, some people find that by lying down and putting the hands like this and doing the breathing, it's maybe a little bit easier. 
So do this for a few times until our next session, and then we will take it from there. To watch the full series on breathing form from Dr. Tony Nader's Global Meditation series, please visit Dr. Tony Nader on his YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.